David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.15 a.m. It is the 7th of February, 2020. A week away from Love Day, where we get to go spend all the monies... Right. As if we needed one more freaking holiday, man, or not even a holiday. It's just like a day you still have to work and yet have to spend money. That's right. Valentine's Day is a week away. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm ribbing you. Probably a good idea to go get the person in your life some flowers and candy. Um, you know, a stuffed animal is always kind of sweet. Anyway, this is Episode 195 of Bitcoin and let's start out with a definition of grace, graciousness, gracefulness, not even a definition, a person in this space that has that demonstrates grace pretty much all the damn time. Brady at Citizen Bitcoin. Yes, he got mentioned by Rhythm Trader, a very large Twitter account in the space as one of the top podcasters. Congratulations, Brady. Good job, bro. <laughs> Good job, man. Uh, Rhythm Trader mentioned uh, Follow Friday for Bitcoin Podcast, and it was Stephen Lavera, What Bitcoin Did, Andreas Antonopoulos, Marty Bent, Matt O'Dell, Pierre Richard, Bitstein, uh, Anthony Pompliano, The Crypto Economy. That's good, too. Guy Swan needs to be in there. Crypto Voices, Charlie Shrim, and, of course, Citizen Bitcoin. And the reason I wanted to mention that is here's where the grace part comes in. Instead of just saying thank you to Rhythm Trader, he mentioned his own podcast, of which I am one. <laughs> his own list of favorites is Coin Icarus, uh, John Vallis, Ansel Lidner, myself, Heavily Armed Clown, St. Bitcoin, Vlad Costilla, Brecky Von Bitcoin, The Chaz, CK Snarks, uh, Key Von Devani. I've never actually heard of that one. And then Brian Trolls. So the grace part comes in uh, here because Brady, or uh, yeah, Brady um, just, you know, grows the pie. Doesn't try to take a bigger slice. Grows the pie. Thanks, Brady, for the mention. I appreciate that. Made, definitely made my Friday. Now, here's what does not make my Friday. The LN Trust Chain 2 is still in limbo. It's not dead. It's just pretty much kind of at this point, I think we can consider it extinguished, but not without the ability to come back to life. As far as we know, uh, Jack Dorsey still has the LN Trust Chain 2 in his tipping me account. And again, let's let's talk about protocol. If you get the torch, then you announce that you have the torch 
and ask the community for Lightning Network invoices of a certain amount that is in addition to whatever the balance of the torch is when you hold it. What you do not do is send it to some person on Twitter via tipping me. Not that tipping me is the problem. I love tipping me. It's a great, it's a great service. However, this particular usage of tipping me has kind of dunked the torch into a vat of cold water. Not cool. Doesn't make me very happy. Please don't do that. Follow protocol. If for whatever reason we are able to reignite this little bastard and get it on its way again, do not send it through tipping me unless you have a very clear publicly uh, available you know, dialogue with the person you're going to send it to via tipping me. Okay. Just don't, please don't do that. Don't. And uh, let's see what else is, uh, what else is here? I think that's going to be it for community stuff and uh, uh, the lightning torch. So let's get into the morning roundup. Did I say morning roundup? No, no, bad host, bad. It's vital statistics, starting with bitinfocharts.com. Our price is an average of, well, possibly an average of $9,829.94. It looks like our high. We do have a high. It's going to be over at, ooh, looks like it's going to be bit asset at 9888 and a quarter. Looks like GDAX is going to be our low at $9,806. We have 315,000 transactions uh, that occurred on the uh, on-chain over the last 24 hours. We have about 13,000 uh, transactions on average per hour with 1.6 million Bitcoin being sent in that period. Let me repeat that. 1.6 million 1.6. That's $16 billion USD. $16 billion. That's with a B. 67,866 BTC are being sent on average per hour, and 5.16 BTC is the average transaction value, with 0.033 BTC being sent <clears throat> as a median transaction value, and that is right at 320 bucks. <clears throat> Block time is at 10 minutes and 45 seconds, and it looks like, ooh, 0.23 BTC are being taken in fees on a per-block basis. That's about twice what we've been seeing lately. Uh, and we've got, wow, 30.79 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. We have lost 10% of the hash rate, but we are still at 107,000 exahashes. Sorry, 107,000. 107 exahashes per second. And the last time somebody did no development on the Bitcoin uh, core repository or Bitcoin itself was sometime yesterday. Ethereum is at 222. Bcash is at 439. BSV is at 291. Litecoin is at 73. Ethereum Classic is at 1166. Dogecoin got another bump. It's at 0.0027. 28,500 transactions in the last day puts it over the top of Litecoin. Yep. Yep. Litecoin. Wow. 
Okay. Uh, now, my node for the uh, mempool stuff. Mempool is pretty much packed. We have, I'm going to refresh just to make damn sure. Yeah, we have 33 megabytes worth of unconfirmed transactions. That's about 14,000 unconfirmed transactions chilling out, waiting in the mempool. Total transactions are 500, 500,765,000 transactions. As I noted yesterday, we passed the over half a billion transactions uh, like either yesterday or a couple of days ago. And now we're sitting at another, we've added another 765,000 transactions to that. My hash rate is showing only 101.8 exahashes per second. So I'm going to go with that one. However, all the blocks are full. Lightning Network shows 11,370 nodes online. We have 869 BTC for capacity. That's $8,500,000 in liquidity chilling out there. 19 new nodes came online and 197 new payment channels came online. That's going to do it for your vitals. Morning Roundup is brought to you by Two Weeks. Yep. You guessed it. Ethereum is, yeah, we're, we're back here again. Let's get into this one. A 95% confidence Ethereum developers pencil in July 2020 for Ethereum 2.0 launch. This was written yesterday by William Foxley for Coindesk. Ethereum's next system-wide upgrade, ETH 2.0, won't launch in Q2 2020 as expected, but researchers remain confident the initial network parameter will deploy in 2020. Anything less would be considered a failure, they said. For Ether or Ethereum, failure is an option because they've just been doing it time after time after time. Everything is always two weeks out. Continuing on here, in an Ask Me Anything Reddit discussion held Wednesday, the ETH 2.0 team said the network won't launch until three clients can run test nets consistently for a minimum of eight weeks. AMA participants included Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin and ETH 2.0 researchers Danny Ryan and Justin Drake. Quote, I have 95% confidence we will launch in 2020, Drake wrote. ETH 2.0, the next iteration of the world's leading smart contract blockchain, promises higher transaction throughput and a new security model under proof of stake. Often called Serenity, ETH 2.0. Like anything but Serenity. Oh my God. Oh, sorry. Uh, Often called Serenity, ETH 2.0 has been in the works since Ethereum's launch in 2015, but has been slow to get off the ground due to the highly technical nature of the endeavor. The launch for two or ETH 2.0 was slated for January of 2020, and then an undisclosed date in quarter two of 2020. Developers are now eyeing the network's fifth anniversary, July 30th, 2020, for ETH 2.0's debut. Quote, phase zero will certainly launch in 2020. Audits are out and test nets are getting stronger every week, Ryan said in the discussion thread. I don't see a reality in which phase zero does not launch in 2020. I do. Ryan and Buterin said they believe ETH 2.0 could deploy phase zero, the beacon chain, which acts as a general manager of ETH 2.0's point, uh, or the point of sale, might as well be. 
a proof of stake system on only two stable clients. <clears throat> Other ETH 2.0 researchers are opting for a more conservative approach, however. At the time of Ethereum's debut in 2015, the parity client launched after Geth, leading to the validator set swinging disproportionately toward the latter client in an 80-20 tilt, Drake said. Parity never managed to catch up with Geth, he said. Regardless of the date launch date, Phase 0 and Phase 1 are 99 and 90% complete, respectively, Ryan said. Phase 1 will link ETH holders who have staked their assets to the beacon chain, joining the ribs to the backbone of the new network. Third-party co- code audits and test nets, such as a light client capable of being run on an Android smartphone, demoed by Ethereum developer Nimbus on Tuesday, remain the outstanding tasks, ETH 2.0 researcher Diderik Lochler said. The cont- uh, coming months should also feature one major update for Ethereum coin holders looking to participate in ETH 2.0's launch, staking contracts. As a proof-of-stake network, asset holders are rewarded for pledging their coin holdings to protect and validate the network. <sighs> ETH 2.0 will require 32 ETH, requ- currently valued at around $6,400, to participate as a validator. Let me hold up right there. How is this not unaccredited investor. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I mean, you know, a certified investor, accredited investor. uh, It's somebody who's got enough money to be able to use it to make more money because most of the plebs on the face of this planet don't have the ability to take what meager, you know, breadcrumbs that they have and be able to invest it in something. No, no, no. You got to be like a mil, have a million dollars in the United States to be an accredited investor. That's where you can go and say, I want the high stake shit. I want to make ass tons of money because without that money, you don't get to participate. This is the exact same thing. Unless you are willing to part with about 6,500 bucks, you ain't seeing squat out of Ethereum as far as any kind of, any kind of like ongoing income or gains or anything like that. Continuing, contracts for staking Ether are under audit with an announcement expected this spring at a major Ethereum event, Ryan said. The team said the number of validators could run into the millions, with one researcher claiming up to 10% of Ether's supply, which has a current market cap of $23 billion, could be staked on ETH 2.0. So millions of validators at $6,400 a pop. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, right. Finally, the ETH 2.0 team continues to examine how the package, how to package the current Ethereum network, a proof-of-work network, into ETH 2.0, dubbed ETH 1.5. Two options have been proposed. Transitioning ETH 1.x into stateless clients, as detailed in a December blog post from Buterin, or merging ETH 1.x into the two ETH 2.0's beacon chain, quote, as is. In short, the current Ethereum blockchain can either be trimmed into digital receipts proving the authenticity of old proof-of-work transactions, or ETH 1.x can work with ETH 2.0 through interoperability bridges until the new chain is fully built out. As Buterin noted, the former option, digital receipts, seems to be the way the wind is blowing. Still, significant changes remain, such as the technical viability of stateless clients and the megabyte size blocks every 13 seconds that they would entail. Megabyte size blocks every 13 seconds. This is why we Bitcoin, folks. This is why we Bitcoin. You want small blocks, or rather, I don't even have to say it that way. Let's let's not say it that way. It's not that you want small blocks. What you want is a very nimble 
blockchain. I mean, blockchains are slow, kludgy, and all that kind of stuff, and we most of us know that. But we can at least keep them keep them nimble and be able to fit through cracks. And what what are the cracks that I'm talking about? Uh, bottlenecks in uh, internet speed. Okay, L- let's say your your download or uh, you know and upload speeds at your house, and let's say you're living in the United States. I, I mean, if you've got just a regular run-in-the-mill, you know, internet connection um, that doesn't cost you a whole lot, uh, megabyte-sized blocks every 13 seconds basically uh, tells you to sit down and shut the hell up, right? Um, Great Wall of China or the Great Firewall of China. There's not a whole lot of really big cracks for that kind of thing. The bigger the block, the less nimble your blockchain is. <clears throat> That's one of the uh, one of the things that can make a blockchain uh, nimble is by keeping the block small. So it's not the only thing, but weight and footprint here is something that we've been dealing with for like a long time. And for whatever reason, there's just always so many people who just say, you know what, let's just make it bigger. And that's not the only direction you can go. You can make the size that you have more efficient. And that's where Bitcoin is right now, talking about making blocks more efficient given the size that they are at present. Maybe one of these days, there will be a full-blown block size increase on the blockchain. But do you really want to do that before you've done everything that you can do to make the block that you do have as efficient as possible. Because at that point, when you do increase the block size, if you do increase the block size, all those efficiencies run with it. Okay. So keep, you know, keep that in mind when we start talking about people who just say sentences like, uh, stateless clients and the megabyte size blocks every 13 seconds they would entail. That's a sentence that should make your ears kind of stand up and, and the hackles on the back of your neck stand up and give you the chills all up and down because 13 or a megabyte size every 13 seconds is a lot of bandwidth. Okay. That's just a shit. And I'm not, I am not talking about how much storage you need. Storage is cheap. It's bandwidth. Bandwidth is not cheap. It's not going to be all that much cheaper. And even if it does get cheaper, people are going to figure out, well, now that it's cheaper, we can have like terabyte size blocks and exablocks and all kinds of shit. And no, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It's like the people that make the argument that bandwidth is going to get cheaper may be correct. But what I see happening is the human nature coming into play saying, now that we have cheaper bandwidth, Let's plug up the works again. I used to do it all the time in 3D animation and, and modeling and stuff where, you know, I'd get a new computer and go, oh my God, my rendering is going to be so much faster. But was it? No, it was actually 10 times slower. You know why? Because I pushed all the details up. I started making <clears throat> models that were ultra detailed. And I'm not talking about like ultra cool looking. I'm just saying the mesh sizes became weightier and weightier and weightier and the rendering engine took longer and longer and longer even though it was all on a bigger computer with a shit ton more memory why because my humanity got in the way don't let your humanity get in the way on this shit go for the efficiency not the quantity
Bitcoin blockchain daily confirmed transactions hit a five-month high. This is Cointelegraph's Mary Hewlett White writing sometime this morning. Hot on the heels of surpassing the 500 million transaction milestone, Bitcoin's daily confirmed transactions are soaring as well. The latest <clears throat> available data on blockchain.com for February the 6th indicates 315,000 daily transactions on the blockchain and 368,604 on February the 5th. These are levels not seen since early September of 2019, though they stopped short of the 2019 peak in May, which saw the network breaking above 450,000 daily transactions. Meanwhile, markets are seeing a solid flush of green when Bitcoin now, with Bitcoin now tantalizingly close to reclaiming the $10,000 price. A 5% growth on the week has brought the cryptocurrency to $9,800 as of press time. The top coin's strong stats contrast starkly with its fort <laughs> its hard fort descendant bcash which last week saw not a single block confirmed for over 5 hours due to a mining anomaly a hitch that was easily cleared due to the network's relatively low usage beyond the spot makers bitcoin futures options Interest at BitMEX exchange has risen to a new high of 1.5 billion and fresh data from SKU markets reveals Bitcoin futures with a May 2020 and June 2020 expiry date rising to $10,000 on a handful of trading platforms. Earlier today, Cointelegraph reported on another major milestone in the industry as the total value of the DeFi markets hit $1 billion. Jesus, $1 billion in DeFi. Okay, so along with that, we got whales. There, Captain... Darby whales here. So buckle in. This is not long, but whale abruptly moves $2.3 billion in Bitcoin. So that's 2.3 billion USD worth of Bitcoin. Is a crypto powerhouse quietly moving funds? Daily Hodel staff writes sometime yesterday, crypto whale watchers are on alert after five giant Bitcoin transactions rocked the ledger in less than one minute. A whale sent a total of 248,360 bitcoins worth $2.386 billion in five separate transactions. Whale Alert, which tracks large cryptocurrency transfers, reported the sudden movement in a flurry of tweets. Although Whale Alert initially said all of the Bitcoin was transferred between unknown wallets, one of the transfers appears to have sent a large batch of BTC to the cryptocurrency exchange Bitrix. Here's a look at all five transactions, and they have the uh, BitInfo wallet of all of them here. Back in December, Bittrex was labeled as the exchange behind a record number of Bitcoin transactions that moved $9 billion in BTC in 21 transfers. It's possible that Bittrex holds the cryptocurrency currently in question. However, the San Francisco-based exchange typically lets the public know when it's shifting funds around for security purposes or other procedures that could result in the mass movement of funds. So yeah, whales uh, swimming around. Is it is it all Bitrix and BitMEX and all that, you know, just nothing but exchanges? Who knows? The question would be why. It's not the end of a quarter. Um, it's, I, you know, I, I don't see any other milestone of why all of a sudden, like two and a half billion dollars with a B would be moved within a minute. Within a minute, which actually tells me it's whoever it is has got to be the same, got to be the same person. I mean, what are the odds that, you know, two or three separate whales doing a couple of transactions each 
uh, actually all do them at the same time unless they were collaborating to do something. So, I mean, who knows? My my thought is is that this is all probably Bitrex. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. But again, question would be why? Eh, I don't know. Decrypt.co, Frank Cardona is writing, uh, Bitcoin ATMs are pumping as Bitcoin Depot Network hits a new milestone. This was written sometime yesterday. Bitcoin Depot, a cryptocurrency ATM network, announced on Thursday that it now operates more than 500 ATMs in the United States. The company claims that this makes it the largest crypto ATM network in the world. The network, which is headquartered in Atlanta, runs over 100 cryptocurrency ATMs in its home city and has expanded to over 30 states across the U.S. since 2016. The expansion of Bitcoin ATMs increases acceptance and use of Bitcoin for financial transactions and makes everyday transactions easier for everyone, the Bitcoin Depot COO Brandon Mintz said in a press release. The company aims to improve access to digital finance for underbanked communities around the United States, according to its statement. Bitcoin Depot said, also said it opened over 200 ATMs last quarter and aims to surpass 1,000 ATMs by the end of 2020. With the expansion, Bitcoin Depot surpassed com- uh, competitor CoinFlip as the top crypto ATM operator in the world, according to Coin ATM Radar, a website that tracks the industry. The number of Bitcoin ATMs worldwide surpassed 5,000 last June. Now, as of today, there are 4,552 crypto ATMs in the United States and 6,709 worldwide. The industry has rapidly expanded since the first Bitcoin ATM in the world opened in Vancouver, Canada in 2013. And as a result of the expansion, tax authorities around the world have their eyes on the industry. In November, an IRS investigator said they believe many crypto ATMs may not be adhering properly to know your customer and anti-money laundering regulations. And in Spain last summer, police announced takedowns of money laundering operations being conducted through Bitcoin ATMs. Okay, so here's my idea. Uh, Get yourself an M5 stack. Load whatever the hell it is you got to load on it. Walk around the street with one of those placards that, you know, sandwich guys use to, uh, you know, get people into sandwich shops. You know, the the big cardboard panels or, or wooden, you know, panels that you wear like a, like a poncho, right? It says, you know, buy Bitcoin here and just do the transaction there. Take their cash and give Bitcoin. And the minute that you do one transaction, you fold up the damn thing so nobody can see it. You walk to a different location. You do it all over again after you've divested yourself of the cash. If you're going to do shit like this, Make sure that you walk around with as little cash as possible. Anybody who ever used to play uh, the older online RPG games knows that carrying like a shit ton of like really valuable stuff for you, probably going to get you whacked. So let's continue here. What do we got? Oh, we got zero chance that Wikipedia will ever use Bitcoin Satoshi's vision, says Jimmy Wales. And oh my God. Did the shit come out of the woodwork on this one? Anna Alexandri's writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Wikipedia co-founder Jimmy Wales has expressed skepticism regarding top 10 digital currency known as BSV, claiming that the coin, quote, offers nothing for Wikipedia, end quote. Wales made a statement right after the team behind the CoinGeek London conference, which promotes Bitcoin SV to stakeholders, announced his participation as a keynote speaker. Quote, 
until the emergence of BSV to reclaim Bitcoin's original design, no blockchain had the scalability to power micropayments, to efficiently reward better user information, and handle the staggering amount of data Wikipedia carries, end quote, the speaker announcement read. However, Wales responded with a tweet on February the 7th, saying, quote, Your marketing materials need to be updated immediately. As people seem to be reading this as some kind of endorsement from me, I'm coming to speak my mind, which includes that BSV offers nothing for Wikipedia and that there is zero chance that we would ever use it. The tweet has been liked by over a thousand people at press time and has aroused mixed reactions throughout the crypto community as some commentators question Wales' intention to attend the conference. Just recently, Bitcoin SV performed a schedule upgrade named Genesis on February the 3rd, which resulted in a chain split where two versions of BSV exist at the same time. Genesis changes many of the consensus rules for BSV to remove all remaining limitations. And I'm just going to end it right there because then they get into a little bit more about the architecture of a bag of shit. Nobody really cares, including Wales. Now, here's the, here's my question about Jimmy Wales. While I'm like, you know, it's, it's always good to see somebody, you know, call BSV for what it is. Um, I can't help but wondering if he, if Jimmy Wales would say this about every single cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin itself. I mean, I'm just being adversarial here. I'm not, you know, making a comparison. God knows you, you guys know, I do not like BSV or BCH for that matter, or any of the other shit coins. But I still have to ask myself the question, is Jimmy going because he is going to offer the entire crypto community uh, a slap in the face and say, I'm not interested in any of you guys. Or does, is he literally looking at BSV saying as, as to all the things that I could possibly consider for using for Wikipedia, you are not it. There's a difference. Um, so, in either event, this ignited much more of a shitstorm than Anna, the author of this <coughs> of this article, is letting on. Um, it's bad. It's pretty bad. In fact, I got a quote here from Dan Darkpill. At Dan Darkpill um, is talking about uh, this entire thing, and he does it in a tweet with four panels of screenshots. He says the BSV community responds. And the first panel up uh, is Jimmy Wales tweet where that's where the quote came from in that story. You know, the one that your marketing materials need to be updated immediately. Okay. So he tweets that and he's, he's basically retweeting Jimmy Wynn who said thrilled to welcome another Jimmy to CG London. And Jimmy Wales basically gave him, you know, handed him his ass saying that he's not there to raw, raw BSV. He's there to tell you guys that you suck. Okay, so uh, Dean, uh, Dean M. Little, uh, he replies with this. I can't help but agree. An open, civil-resistant, immutable data ledger with cryptographic proofs and a non-altruistic funding model baked in sounds very much like the opposite of Wikipedia to me. And then Elon Moist. Okay, this is Coin Yeezy. This is a guy I used to like, but once he got bought off by the BSV guys... Um, I took him off my, off my list and I, I literally see nobody tweeting anything from, uh, coin easy anymore, much like, uh, DeRose, Kevin Pham, Kevin Pham actually gets tweeted more in my group than, uh, than coin easy does, which I find very odd, but be that as it may, um, 
or coin Yeezy's first tweet is the blockchain doesn't forget. And then he's got a screenshot that says last month, Wales, former partner and current competitor, Larry Sanger alerted the FBI that Wikipedia was knowingly distributing child pornography. And then his next tweet down says, did you know Wikipedia started as a porn website? And then his next tweet is Bitcoin makes Wikipedia obsolete. Of course, he's talking in his case about BSV and not actual Bitcoin, but He's got the mind of a frog. You know, who? How, how, what are you going to do here? <clears throat> the third panel has uh, Barefoots with a Z saying, this was a real fucked up tweet by Shatters, still sitting there three hours later undeleted. I'm on you for this one, frog, and fuck Jimmy Wales and his track record. Track record, big business, in and of itself doesn't mean shit. Just ask Cosby, Weinstein, and Seville. If you're wondering who the hell Seville is, he was arrested, or actually he died, but he was about to get his ass handed to him for years, years of molesting young children. So this this last one is Craig Mason, or at old Craig, saying, Shatters, uh, Wikipedia is a compromised pile of half-truths meant to keep people from the whole truth. As you can tell from JW's statement, he sees no value from Bitcoin because, as the frog pointed out, Bitcoin doesn't forget and Wikipedia can be edited in darkness on a whim. And that's actually not untrue. Wikipedia can be edited in darkness on the whim. It's this other stuff that gets bad. Uh, Mike Cernovich says 10 years ago, it's or Elon Moist retweeted this from Mike Cernovich. Um, and that, which is, I'm surprised Mike's talking about this, but he says 10 years ago, it's probably worse now. And it's a story from Fox news. Uh, the parent company of Wikipedia is knowingly distributed, distributing child pornography. The co-founder of the online encyclopedia says, okay. So right after that coin Yeezy says, can't wait to meet you in London. <laughs> and uh, here's a twitch of Shatters calling me a fuckwit for posting a news clip about w- Wikipedia distributing child porn. Okay, so we got four panels here, and all of them there is a reaction to Jimmy Wales in the worst possible way that you can react. Child porn. And linking them to, like, Cosby, which was, you know, a serial, you know, he's a serial rapist. I mean, that's just... That's just how that is. I mean, that's just a fact. I'm not making a judgment call here. This Cosby is in prison for it. Uh, Jimmy Seville. um, Yeah, we know what happened with him. And then we've got Weinstein, which is also a serial rapist and, and molester. And God knows how young that one goes. So the fact that they got a guy that told them to go fuck themselves and their reaction is to bring up all this stuff about child porn Okay, I'm going to say this. <laughs> I'm going to say this about it. You don't want to. You don't want to be dealing with any anybody who has something to do with BSV. You don't, because these people are insane, and they're they're very vindictive. They're just. I mean, they're these guys are nasty, nasty pieces of work. And take it from somebody who knows a nasty piece of work when he sees it. You don't want to be in a room full of these people. You don't want to be anywhere close to something like CoinGeek. You don't want to hang out with these people because why? They'll get you in trouble. I mean, they will either get you in trouble or they will find a way that you've you've screwed them over and they're going to be as vindictive as they can possibly be and do everything in their humanly power to destroy your life. That's how these people think. So when they call us toxic as Bitcoin maximalists, I... 
I don't really know what to say about that because I'm looking at this going, you guys are freaking on smack or something. All right, moving on. Uh, Decrypt.co's Will Heisman is writing uh, sometime this morning that Australia rolls out plans for a $175 billion blockchain sector. Oh, good God. Australia is gunning to become a global leader in blockchain technology with the unveiling of its new national blockchain strategy and roadmap. According to the Sydney Morning Herald, the roadmap will overhaul the country's banking, export, and education infrastructure, producing a sector worth $175 billion U.S. It's been almost a year in the making, but Australia's plans for blockchain inclusion are underway with an initial focus on the country's booming export industry. According to Karen Andrews, Ministry for Industry, Science, and Technology, blockchain's capacity to transform supply chain management will help strengthen export communities. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Quote, I think what's really exciting is the potential for blockchain to strengthen export opportunities, helping Aussie producers and manufacturers track their goods, which are in demand around the world because of our clean, green reputation, Andrews said. She also highlighted, highlighted that blockchain roadmap could wind up fetching the sector a cool $175 billion. However, as of yet, no government funds have been allocated to execute the plan. <laughs> A particular focus for the blockchain roadmap is the country's wine exports, a sector worth $1.9 billion last year. One strategy highlighted in the roadmap involves compiling a detailed economic analysis of the wine export industry via blockchain tech. The roadmap also nods to blockchain's ability to streamline the banking process, particularly when it comes to know-your-customer checks. As the use of blockchain and financial technology develops beyond cryptocurrencies, it presents opportunities to enhance customer outcomes in retail banking, including through facilitating the KYC process, it reads. So most of this shit you don't need a blockchain for. But, okay, so here we go. This is nation, you know, nation state shit coinery. Uh, whole nations are now being, you know, whole nation governments are being lobbied by particular sectors to give them money to burn essentially because you don't need blockchain for 99.99% of all the world's issues. Most of that shit can be handled by either paper or some kind of distributed ledger or an Excel spreadsheet when it comes to numbers. Honestly, you don't need blockchain for this. You don't need blockchain for KYC. You don't need blockchain for any of this stuff. You hold it. You're the ones that use it against us. You don't need somebody else having a copy of it to validate the fact that you're fucking us. Okay? That's not why you use blockchain. So take it with a grain of salt. But what, what does it illustrate? You, you can't escape this. This is coming. Uh, and I'm not talking about blockchain, Bitcoin. That's what I'm talking about. All roads are going to lead back to Bitcoin. Bitcoin landed like, I don't know, like a huge meteor. And all this stuff spilled out of the impact crater because the impact was that hard. It just pulverized everything around it, sent shit flying. All that shit is blockchain. It's probably at a velocity that's going so fast, it'll wind up circumnavigating the globe and coming right back to the impact crater that is Bitcoin. I'm not worried about it, but it is worth a couple of laughs. 
However, people that are not laughing are professional baseball players. Crypto Ponzi scammers who duped professional sports people are jailed. Christina Combin is writing sometime this morning for Bitcoinist.com. Another day, another deliciously wicked scam in the cryptocurrency space. This time around, it looks as if the orchestrators of the crypto Ponzi scheme known as Zima Digital will get their comeuppance. The two Arizona men, Zach Salter, 27, and John Michael Caruso, 28, defrauded more than 100 people out of at least $7.5 million over the last year and a half. Among their victims, according to courts, were several major league baseball players and their families. Guys, in my opinion, you don't go around trying to scam somebody who knows how to wield a Louisville slugger. Probably not the best healthy, you know, thing that you can decision you can make for your you and yours, right? So Salter and Caruso founded a cryptocurrency investment firm called Zima Digital Assets. They then used investors' funds to support their extravagant lifestyles while reporting next to no income. The unscrupulous do unscrupulous duo was tracked down and arrested by US Secret Service on January the 30th. Caruso went by the alias of crypto or was it Crip plus zero? King and I has a, this is Leet speak, so figure it out yourself, the alias of Crypto King, and called himself the Michael Jordan of algorithmic cryptocurrency trading, while Salter described himself as a serial entrepreneur in the automotive and aviation industries. It seems that men had no, the men had no qualms about using other people's money to fuel their lavish lifestyles. They both live in mansions and valuations north with valuations north of $9 million. While Caruso did report some earnings in 2018, he declared income, his declared income was just $22,800. At the same time, he's the registered owner of a $200,000, 219 Lamborghini Urus. Yep, he went, he went Lambo, y'all. He went Lambo. <clears throat> According to the United States Department of Justice complaint, he also spent another $350,000 on renting luxury vehicles, including a Ferrari, Aston Martin, and Rolls-Royce. Caruso also had a penchant for travel on private jets, his destinations of choice including Aruba, Cabo St. Lucas, Hawaii, London, and New York, to name a few. If that wasn't enough to make his victim's blood boil, the unscrupulous villain lost an eye-watering $1.4 million gambling in Las Vegas. Despite the young age, he had a long history of unsavory dealings. His extensive criminal past included forgery, extortion, money laundering, and assisting a criminal syndicate. Sounds a lot like Craig Wright. For his part, Salter reported no income in 2008. He was, however, magically able to own at least five luxury cars, including a BMW, an Audi, two Mercedes, and a 1957 Chevy. It seems he couldn't resist the urge to show off his riches on Instagram, which ended up serving as evidence against him. The investigation began, federal officials stated, after they received an anonymous complaint about Zima Digital Assets. Mercy. So, yeah, 27 years old and 28 years old, and they're fucked for life. Man, that's pretty sad. Switzerland to require ID for crypto exchange transactions over $1,000. Andre Shevinko is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. The Swiss Financial Market Super Supervisory Authority passed an anti-money laundering provision on February the 7th. Citing additional risk, the threshold for unidentified crypto exchange transactions is lowered from 5,000 CHF 
to 1,000 CHF, approximately $1,020 USD. The provision comes following the enactment of the new Financial Services Act and Financial Institutions Act, which came into force on Jan 1. FINMA introduced the revised ordinance in response to these acts and will hold a consultation on follow-up regulation until April 9th. One of the key changes from the new provisions is that the normalization of Swiss national regulations with the Financial Action Task Force, or FATF's, direct is from June 2019. The international body mandated a maximum transaction limit of $1,000 for unidentified cryptocurrency exchange operations. All financial providers involved in cryptocurrencies will have to collect data on anyone initiating transactions amounting to more than $1,000. The information must be regularly submitted to the authorities for review. The initiative is part of a global trend pushing for stricter AML regulation. By implementing the directive, FINMA is acknowledging the heightened money laundering risks in cryptocurrency transactions. According to its press release, the European Union has also implemented its fifth anti-money laundering directive, or the 5AMLD, which came into force this year. The new regulation specifically addresses some types of cryptocurrency transactions, notably requiring requiring strict customer information reporting. So... We're seeing this as a trend, and it's, and I'm actually talking more of the limitation in dollar amount than I am the AML, because the AML KYC shit is just, I mean, that's just going to happen. It's the amount. I mean, cash transactions are being limited, and now, you know, cryptocurrency transactions are being limited in amount. There's uh, in Venezuela, banks are like limiting the amount of just raw cash that you can pull out or change into dollars it's it's a theme. And if you have inflation pushing prices of goods and services up, and yet you're capped as to how much you can actually spend, it completely forces you into the AML KYC gate. So it's an entire global reaction against black market or gray market anything. Hell, even white market. This is at this point, I think it's not only pushing people into KYC AML. I think that I'm pretty, sh- I'm not pretty sure. I would probably bet 20 bucks because I'm not that big of a gambler, but I would bet 20 bucks that the guys behind all this are sitting there going, yeah, you think it's about KYC AML, but it's really not. What we're doing is we're destroying your ability to purchase goods and services. Now, the question for that would be why, but. I, you know, if I were the guys in government, I would take lessons from a cruise ship captain and their staff. And if you've ever been on a cruise ship and, and kind of got to buddy up with any of the bartenders or whatever, they'll tell you the skinny as to what's going on. You keep the people on that boat fat and drunk, because if you don't, they get pissed. So my whole thing is why would the entire, you know, all the nations of the world band together to take giant craps on their population when the people that are forcing that to happen don't know, don't have the numbers in, in relation to the population of the people that they're taking a giant dump on? At one point or another, shit's going to break loose. I just don't know when. I, I gather, it's, well, I hope it's going to be soon because this... This shit just cannot stand. This is getting ridiculous. Um, what may very well be ridiculous is is crypto mom uh, uh, Hester Pierce 
or yeah, Hester Pierce. Okay, let's just get into it. What Crypto Mom's Safe Harbor proposal means for your startup's ICO. This is Decrypt's Jeff Benson writing sometime yesterday. SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce today formally proposed a safe harbor for cryptocurrency projects that would allow developers three years before being subject to existing securities regulations, according to a report from industry publication Coindesk. The idea is to allow crypto projects to fundraise through the sale of blockchain-based tokens as they work toward becoming sufficiently decentralized. So what does it all mean? Decrypt first reported in October that Pierce was looking into provide looking into providing safe harbor to crypto entrepreneurs, and she's publicly spoken about the idea since at least August. Today's report indicates that her idea has progressed, though it's unclear whether Price has yet shared her proposal with her fellow commissioners. Um, oh, sorry. Here are the three things to know about the proposed changes as they've been reported. One, Pierce believes that token projects that ostensibly start out as securities may mature into non-securities, the three years that would allow these projects to mature into tokens that can be based on a network. An example here might be EOS. Block One sold ERC-20 tokens during its pre-sale, but then swapped them out for a decentralized EOS token on, uh, I'm sorry, on the decentralized network. In the process of doing so, they may have moved from security tokens to commodities or non-securities. Two, <clears throat> this doesn't mean average crypto buyers aren't protected. Token projects would be subject to specific disclosures in the anti-fraud provisions built into federal securities law. Projects must disclose the name and qualifications of the development team. Crucially, each member must state how many tokens they hold or may be in line to hold. Three, Three years after the token sale, the team analyzes whether the token is security. If the token isn't broadly held, buying or selling it might be considered a security transaction. To boost liquidity and decentralize the asset, Pierce encouraged projects to trade it on a regulated secondary market. Jeff Brito of Coin Center, a cryptocurrency lobbying organization, wrote today that the proposal would solve a known problem. Under current rules, quote, if you raise funds by selling promises of tokens on a decentralized network that you plan to build, that's pretty clearly a securities offering, and you are obliged to comply with the applicable rules, end quote. What Pierce's proposal would solve, he said, is the uncertainty that currently exists after those tokens are delivered by allowing time to build a functional decentralized network and grow the participation in it to the point that the network is not reliant on their continued efforts. Moreover, he said, in addition to developers getting a longer leash, regulators would still be able to ensure proper disclosures are made, investors would be protected by them, and the public would benefit from decentralized blockchain networks. This is a win-win-win-win, Brito wrote. Uh, for God's sakes. So there you go. That's that's all you need to know about that one. Uh, those are the three main points in Hester Pierce's thing. My issue here is how in the hell can you start out as a token that may be a security, and let's say it is a security, and then transfer over to a commodity? I mean, does that mean that I can just I can totally fail or or complete you know completely uh, fail the uh, uh, what is that thing called uh, test? Can I just fail the Howie test and then all of a sudden, like three years later, say, turn it into like now I've done something that turns it into a commodity? Dude, this is just opening the doors for allowing scams to continue. 
And if that's what it's going to do, that's what it's going to do. I know I'm not going to have to worry about it because this is why I Bitcoin. Oh, let's see. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and round this out with uh, this little nugget. 19 million XRP tokens moved to Jed McCaleb's wallet. Dump inbound. Christine Vasileva is writing for Bitcoin as sometime this morning. McCaleb, who joined Ripple in 2014 and was the mind behind the creation of XRP, has agreed on a significant repayment in XRP to be doled over time. While not as large as the monthly Ripple escrow tranches, McCaleb has been known to sell on the open market. However, by contract, McCaleb is obliged to only sell cautiously and liquidate at average market prices with a limitation on the amount sold. So far, the XRP price may not be under threat so long as the markets don't react and panic. The whale transfer, worth more than $5.3 million U.S., reaches way above the real liquidity for XRP, even on the most active markets. But it is possible McCaleb honors the rules and only sells cautiously. Yet market dump fears remain as McCaleb is also viewed as a potential threat to the Stellar project, where he is also a whale. After leaving Stellar to the guidance of the Stellar Development Foundation, McCaleb also has the potential to shed XLM. Jed McCaleb is also one of the best-known public whales, holding significant stores of cryptocurrency. Based on data known of his addresses, McCaleb has liquidated around $135 million worth or 1 billion XRP between 2014 and 2019. XRP is currently on a rally, blah, blah, blah. McCaleb's, okay, McCaleb's allocation is 9.5 billion XRP coming from a coin generation event in 2013. Since then, he has received predetermined monthly tranches. The optimistic take is that McCaleb is a hodler of coins already benefiting from XRP appreciating from sub-penny prices. The transfer arrives at a time when XRP has started to increase its trading volumes, reaching to above $2.9 billion in the past day. The breakout follows months where XRP had relatively low volumes despite its prominence in the top three of coins. Now activity is reviving, sparking hopes the markets will absorb selling and renew the upward drive. So, Jeb McCaleb. Yeah, that's the guy that started Mt. Gox. Yes, sir. That's Jeb McCaleb. Um, And he sold Mt. Gox, and he knew at the time that he sold it, um, that it, that he had already had a crushing amount of BTC stolen from him. He also knew the security measures in place at Mount Gox were laughable. Um, and he was, as far as I know, like a lot of people, he was running the entire thing from a laptop before he sold it off in either event. He's at this point, he's now a serial scammer. Um, still, he went to Stellar, you know, helped start it. And then he bailed out on that. Then he like went to XRP and helped start that shit. And he's bailing on that. And I mean, it's just, it's one exit scam after another, after another. Again, I don't have to worry about it. This is why I Bitcoin. Okay. So, uh, that's going to do it for the morning roundup and we'll come back with some tunage. As you guys know, I really like finding covers of tunes, and uh, Weezer does really good covers of tunes. This one goes way back, way, way back. I know, I know. I got a penchant for this stuff. 
I get to relive my childhood. What are you going to do? Anyway, here's one from my high school days. coming for you Okay, Daily Trainwreck just came in. It, I turned my head during that pause and saw the following from Alt's Bit. Dear users, 
Unfortunately, we have to notify you with the fact that our exchange was hacked during the night and almost all funds from BTC, ETH, ARRR, and VRSC were stolen. A small part of the funds are safe on cold wallets. Doing it backwards, guys. Doing it backwards. It should have been the other way around. It should have been a small amount of these coins were stolen, the majority of which is safe because it's on a cold wallet. That's how that shit should have read. But no. See, even exchanges themselves have a penchant to keep all of their shit on their exchange. And this is what you get. This is what you get. And this is, again... I cannot stress how important it is to make sure that you do not keep your coins on an exchange or in the hands of any third party. Any third party that holds your keys owns your money. Okay? Not your keys, not your money. Because at this point, Bitcoin's money. Everything else is coins, but Bitcoin's actually money. So be aware, be careful, get a hardware wallet or something. We talk about it all the time. I don't know how many of these hacks you're going to have to go through before you get it through your head, but you cannot keep your shit on stuff like Coinbase, exchanges, even Kraken. I like Kraken, but I'm not going to keep my shit there. I mean, when I, at the time I liked Kraken, I don't have a reason to like them anymore, but not for any other reason than I, I don't trade. So because I don't trade, I, I don't need an exchange. I, I just don't. <clears throat> Therefore, I, I don't I I did like Kraken because it was the only exchange that I was using and it was you know pretty damned easy to be able to you know especially when the day when the day came that I realized that I was wasting my time on all the rest of the coins and I had like two or three like Litecoin I think I had some Ethereum Ethereum Classic and of course I'm always going to keep my bag of Doge that's never going away I I don't I it, that's my only, that's sort of like my guilty pleasure as far as shit coinery is concerned is, is my doge. I will never ever that you can't peel that shit away from me. Like my Bitcoin, the rest of it is just garbage. And the day when the day came that I realized I was wasting my time, Kraken made it real easy to hand my bags to a, an idiot that was even stupider than I was because I mean, <laughs> I figured it out. Why can't you? Anyway, there's your smoldering pile. All right, let's lock up this Friday's show with a terrible joke, shall we? Today was a terrible day. My ex got hit by a bus, and I lost my job as a bus driver. Thank you, thank you. I was about to say I'd be here all week, but no, I'm not. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.